Hello and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information services provider for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at more than 230 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools and data that help power their emerging market business strategies. Today we're going to speak about South Africa and the impact of President Zuma's controversial government reshuffle. My name is Martina Bozajeva, Head of Research for EMEA at FSG, and I will be moderating today's podcast. Joining me for today's conversation from FSG's London office is Will Atwell, who is our Senior Analyst for Sub-Saharan Africa and Specialist in South Africa. As a reminder, all of our research, data, and analysis on South Africa is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. So let's get started because there's a lot to discuss today. Um, first, let's talk a little bit about the reshuffle. Um, the reshuffle involved changes to several ministerial positions, most notably the axing of Pravin Gordon as finance minister and his replacement uh, by the Home Affairs Minister. So what do we know about this new minister and what are going to be his priorities, Will? Sure. Thank you, Martino. So perhaps most critically, uh, Mr. Gugabe is a close uh, ally and associate of President Jacob Zuma. Um, and so what we can expect from him is that he's going to follow the president's line on policy more closely on some key decisions, uh, in contrast to Praveen Gordhan's um, opposition to some of those decisions in, in many cases. Uh, he has no finance experience, though, and he hasn't articulated any clear alternative fiscal policy um, that would depart from what Gordhan had set down. Um, so uh, beyond perhaps criticizing Gordhan's uh, approach to uh, economic policy, which he said has been too orthodox and uh, too concerned with what investors and rating agencies um, are concerned about. So this sounds a little bit disconcerting, Will. Um, if you were an emerging markets executive and you're looking at South Africa right now, what are some of the signposts or events you should be monitoring to understand what happens next and uh, whether and how you might need to react? Well, one of the key set pieces in the coming months uh, is going to be the vote, in no con- vote of no confidence in the president. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, this will grab a lot of headlines, but ultimately it's not really going to shift the dial um, in, any, in any meaningful way. Um, the uh, ANC uh, members of parliament are going to vote to uh, uh, crush the opposition's uh, motion. Um, so there's you know, no real danger to the president, at least for the time being. Uh, more, much more significant is the... Uh, ruling party's policy conference in June, where we will get an idea of whether this new cabinet, which in which the president has a is much more in control, um, is going to depart from what we've seen in the past. Um, also very important is going to be the new finance minister's midterm, boli- mid-term policy statement in October, which will give an idea of whether there will be a change in fiscal policy or whether it'll be business as usual. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot to watch in the next several months and a lot more events that we're expecting there. Um, talk to me a little bit about the SMP decision on South Africa's sovereign rating. Um, in practical terms, what does this mean for companies and how should multinationals expect that um, this might play out in terms of their business? 
Sure. Uh, this has obviously been critical. Um, market reaction to the S&P decision was pretty swift. Um, Rand lost about 5% of its value against the US dollar. Um, but overall, uh, the currency has actually been remarkably stable, particularly compared to when President Zuma last fired his finance minister back in December 2015, and there was a real, uh, a, a real downturn um, in the value of the rand. So what we really need to look for here is whether the other two rating agencies um, also downgrade South African foreign denominated debt to junk, um, in which case we'd see much more significant capital outflows and a much greater weakening of the rand. Certainly, uh, the rand's uh, still around uh, is under 14 rand to the dollar, but we could certainly go um, over 15 rand to the dollar uh, in the event of those those downgrades, which which we are expecting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Obviously, the rand affecting inflation, pricing, and reporting for multinationals as well. Very important question mark. But uh, b- besides the impact on the exchange rate, which is very immediately felt, uh, what are some of the other implications of these downgrades on the customers or the partners and distributors of multinational companies? Perhaps the most important implication, certainly in the immediate term, is what this means for inflation mm-hmm. and interest rates. So given South Africa's current account deficit, a weaker rand will uh, inevitably translate into more inflationary pressures. Inflation had been stabilizing, actually, due to food prices coming down. Um, but that effect of the food prices is largely going to be offset by the, by the weaker rand. Mm-hmm. So this, in the context of high unemployment, and so on, uh, relatively flat wage growth. This is obviously going to eat into consumers' spending power in particular. Uh, the, the central bank uh, in this higher inflationary environment is likely to keep interest rates relatively high, and there might even be room for a small increase if this inflationary shock is, is greater. So credit growth uh, is likely to remain pretty constrained overall. I should emphasize as well that not only was sovereign debt downgraded, but local banks have also been downgraded. Um, this in, in some sense is actually just a formality in the sense that uh, banks can't be rated higher than the sovereign. Um, so we don't really see any fundamental risk to the banking sector overall. This is really a formality. And actually, the South African banking sector is pretty stable. It's very well capitalized and very well regulated. So. Uh, Despite these downgrades uh, and a lot of the um, rather more pessimistic analysis and uh, rhetoric that we're seeing around these issues, there certainly isn't a, a sort of major shock to the to the financial system um, in any way that would would prove destabilizing for for multinationals, both re- with respect to their uh, customers, say B two B two B customers, but also consumers as well. Right, even though we're, we are seeing quite a lot of consumer debt in the economy. Absolutely. Um, but certainly, uh, it's not at a level that would prove destabilizing for banks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's some good news there. But what about B2B businesses? So thinking beyond the financial sector, are there any other implications for uh, business customers or partners? Sure. I think the major implication here, uh, certainly when we look forward to the next several months, is uh, businesses, local businesses and foreign businesses operating in the country are certainly very worried about all the political uncertainty and mm-hmm. what this means for policy uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So we see companies uh, holding back from big expansions, 
and so on. Uh, and so this is obviously affecting B2B demand. Uh, companies want to uh, to hold back and wait until the dust has settled a bit, until we've had some of the, the big political set-piece events where we can start to get an idea of where policy is going to go in the, two, the next 12 months and the next 18 months. And do you have a sense of what might happen to government spending and also spending priorities with this new finance minister? Well, the immediate implication of the downgrade, which was in many cases, a, in many senses, a response to the replacement of the finance minister, um, has been that uh, government borrowing is going to go up. If, as we expect, the other credit rating agencies also downgrade um, to, to sub-investment grade, and certainly that, that borrowing cost is going to go up a lot. Now, this, is, this takes place in a context where uh, servicing of government debt is the fastest growing item in the budget. Mm-hmm. This, this item is now going to grow even faster. Mm-hmm. So if we see uh, Minister Gigaba sticking to the government's current uh, expenditure ceiling, which it's imposed in, in, subsequent bu- in, in, in previous budgets, um, certainly, this is going to leave very little space to manoeuvre fiscally, uh, and so uh, some areas of spending could have to be cut. This is unlikely to be things like civil service wage bills or social welfare payments, because this is very politically sensitive areas, but perhaps other areas of expenditure, which could impact B2G uh, opportunities, certainly in the short term. Mm. Do you think that um, there's also a risk of tightening regulations on multinational companies, especially when it comes to BE policies? Yeah, this is this is this is very likely. Um, mm. I mean, in, in many senses, this is this isn't necessarily a direct implication of the reshuffle. Mm. Tougher BEE requirements, black economic empowerment requirements, were in play anyway. Yeah. And certainly it's been a big part of, of President Zuma's policy platform uh, you know, for the past uh, you know, year or two, um, sort of tightening and revising some of these requirements. So certainly that's more, con- more continuity than change, actually, on that front. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And, and that, I guess, adds to just the, the, the cost of operating in the market, whether that's through a weaker rent, higher inflation, uh, and potentially tighter policies one way or another. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think on one policy area where we need to keep a close eye is on fiscal policy. I mentioned earlier the midterm budget statement which comes out in October. Following that is going to be the full budget statement in February 2018 and that's going to be when we can really see if there's a real shift in the government's priorities. Following Gordon's axing, the chief civil servant in the Treasury has also resigned. Um, so this could mark an opportunity for a real change in the, in the direction of fiscal policy. But as I said, we actually have to wait and see what those statements are. Uh, it's too early to speculate just at this moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, let's turn our discussion to another topic, which is quite related here as well. And this is the question of corruption. So, um, former finance minister Gordon was considered a very staunch anti-corruption campaigner, um, and he did keep a close eye on governance, for example, at state-owned enterprises. So now, where do we think things are going to head there? And uh, is there anything businesses should be worried about, especially if they work with the state-owned enterprises as customers? Yeah, this is a very critical point uh, and really cuts to the root of why Gordon was dismissed in the first place. Um, 
state-owned enterprises and and uh, state departments are important sources of political patronage for President Zuma and his and his camp, um, which is really trying to consolidate its power base, both through patronage and through appointments, um, ahead of the party's big leadership congress, which is going to be held in December later this year. Uh, So what President Zuma was finding is that Gordon was really proving to be a big obstacle um, for some of the president's big projects, um, and he refused to turn a blind eye to some of the corrupt dealings that were enriching um, some of his political supporters, as as well as some of the shadowy business Mm. figures um, who are also linked to his inner circle. Um, Now, Gigaba seems to have been appointed um, on the understanding that he'll be somewhat softer on these governance questions. Um, So I think from a a multinational perspective, what this really means is even if there is an increase in government spending, for instance, if fiscal policy changes come February 2018 and there's an increase in spending, increase in investment, this doesn't necessarily mean that... uh, uh, foreign multinationals will have easy access to these uh, these big projects mm-hmm. and, and other B2G opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, these opportunities may be directed more to political associates um, and uh, tender processes might not be as open and, and competitive as, mm-hmm. as one might like. Mm-hmm. Uh, multinationals also need to be very vigilant and careful about their dealings with the government uh, in this uh, Zuma-dominated era. So going forward in the next several months, if there is any softening of the government's own internal controls, uh, multinationals could be at risk uh, of uh, of being on the wrong side of compliance mm. issues. Okay, well, that's that's certainly something very important to keep an eye on. Now, you mentioned that the ANC Leadership Congress is taking place in December pretty important moment and um, there is going to be uh, at that congress a selection of the the party's next president Um, and there are two figures that we know have emerged as potential candidates Uh, one is uh, Zuma's ex-wife and former African Union head Lamini Zuma Um, and she seems to be preferred to be um, his candidate Um, and then also Zuma's current deputy Sewo Ramaphosa Tell us a little bit about what to expect from each of these potential successors and whether the current reshuffle has made one or the other more likely to be the next uh, president of the ANC. Yeah, so I think one thing we need to just uh, clarify, uh, at, at just sort of set some assumptions for, for what this means is really in, in either scenario do we really see President Jacob Zuma staying on as president of the country until 2019. There's going to be some change Regardless, so you know that that's just to sort of put the significance of 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 these two scenarios in perspective. Both will involve some change before twenty nineteen. It's more quite a matter of when and and who uh, manages this process. So. Lamini Zuma, to outline you know what this scenario means, she's she's more of the status quo candidate. She's likely to allow Zuma possibly to stay on a bit longer than Ramaphosa would, um, and importantly, she can be trusted not to resurrect some of the corruption charges that he could potentially face um, due to various dealings and during his time in office. She'd of course bring her own network, which might involve some turner of, turnover of leadership positions in government, um, but this would be fairly limited um, given her um, connections with the, the wider Zuma camp. Um, Ramaphosa would mark a more fundamental shift. Uh, he was very vocal in uh, criticizing uh, 
Zuma's firing of Gordon um, and calling it unacceptable. And he's made it very clear that he's opposed to the president's uh, current brand of, of sort of crony politics. Um, so if Ramaphosa became leader of the party, he moved pretty quickly to remove Jacob Zuma as president of the country. Uh, whether or not he would impose corruption charges you know, would remain to be seen. Um, but certainly he'd bring a whole new uh, faction of people into senior leadership positions. So I think for multinationals, they would see that some of the relationships they've built up with senior figures in government, in state enterprises and so on, there might be some changeover at that leadership position. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. multinationals would have to move quite quickly to 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 uh, build some relationships with the new leadership. And why would um, say Ramaphosa taking over after Zuma not help to improve growth in the country? What what would need to actually happen? Uh, from a policy perspective to significantly shift South Africa's growth trajectory because I think multinationals are hoping for political change partly in the expectation that perhaps a different set of policies could accelerate growth you're saying that's probably not going to happen in either scenario so what is missing in this picture? Hmm. Ramaphosa would certainly bring an element of confidence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he is respected as a business leader um, he's run several major corporations and his own big investment vehicle for for many years. He's also respected as as being former President Nelson Mandela's right-hand man for many years. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there'd be an uptick in confidence, certainly. And I think uh, the better investment uh, and greater uh, business confidence that would come with that would certainly assist growth, but certainly wouldn't mark a major shift in terms of the policy framework that the government follows. Mm -hmm. Uh, He would continue with policies like black economic empowerment, and but but there'd probably be, be a, a tightening around governance issues um, and certainly uh, improvement in 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 the performance of of several government uh, agencies and functions. Uh, the reason there wouldn't be huge shifts uh, has to do with some of the really powerful vested interests in the ANC that are very strongly opposed both. Uh, ideologically and practically to to some of the big changes that that would be needed to radically shift the growth dial. So some of the areas where there could be reform to radically shift growth, such as privatizing some of the state-owned enterprises or radically overhauling uh, labor laws. Um, he hasn't said anything on these issues. He hasn't alternative, uh, articulated an alternative uh, approach to, to compared to what the government's already doing. So on the one hand, we don't know uh, whether he would actually want to follow this route in the first place. Mm-hmm. On the other, he'd still face the same vested interests and very powerful stakeholders that have prevented any reform like this from happening in the past. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, right, right. So if I were to summarize from a multinationalist perspective, um, sort of the conclusions from this conversation. um, First, there are a lot more uh, important signposts to monitor over the next several months, and especially in December with the leadership transition. But don't get too excited because uh, substantial change is not necessarily very likely. Uh, the second one is around managing more of the short-term effects of the 
credit rating downgrade and also the currency volatility that comes with that. So affecting pricing strategies, uh, overall competitiveness, especially if importing into the market, inflation expectations, etc. Um, and then also keeping a close eye on especially dealings with the government and state-owned enterprises, uh, but not necessarily too worried about B2B customers. Is there anything else that you would add in terms of takeaways for executives? I think the the you know to sort of that that sums it up very well. Um, if we sort of thinking about what this means for our uh, sort of medium term assumptions for South Africa, I think you know what what that really sums up as is you know we not radically shifting the assumptions for 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 the outlook for the country. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly for now, um, we're not going to see any uh, big breaks that would uh, change the landscape. Um, you know, the ANC is not going to split. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're not going to see, uh, you know, a radical shift in policy. Um, and certainly, uh, I think it's important for, for executives who may be uh, watching the media, they mm. see dramatic headlines, mm-hmm. see protests. Um, th- this is, this, a lot of this is noise. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to kind of cut through and see what the actual policy decisions are mm-hmm. and, and, and how uh, political leaders are responding. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you very much for this very interesting conversation. As a reminder to our clients, you can speak with Will or any of the FSG analysts at any time by reaching out via your client relationship director. You can also access our forecast for South Africa, um, as well as all other FSG content and analysis via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. This concludes our podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance in your emerging markets.